Good morning. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 uh, will be our text this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we would encourage you to follow along with us. We would love to have you do that with us. Um, we do have a pew, uh, Bible in the pew back in front of you, and you can find this reading on page 787 of that particular Bible, or you can go to any particular mobile uh, Bible that you would like. You can get it on your phone or mobile device of choice. We'd love to have you follow along. Because we believe it to be uh, God's Word, and it is living and active, as we've discussed last week. We're in the middle of a series together called All In, what it means to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be all in for Jesus. That's where we are. Uh, I thought it appropriate, though, for us to take a moment and pause this morning, as Pastor Travis has already prayed, but I thought it would be good for us to pray for those who have found themselves uh, riddled by uh, the hurricane Matthew that has come through. So will you just join me as we take a moment and just pray. Father, it is right for us to come to you in prayer. It is always right because you always want to hear from your children. And Father, there are things that happen in our world that we admittedly don't understand. And as we listen on our radios and watch on our TV screens and computer screens, the devastation that has taken place is in Haiti and Cuba and on the east coast of our country. For us, it's, we're removed and it can be easy for us to talk about it at coffee shops and over meal tables and then just move on with life. Father, these are lives that are torn apart. These are homes that have been destroyed. These are terrible things that are happening and we just ask that you will oversee and that somehow in your sovereignty, that you will use these things for good. I can't, I can't see those things now, admittedly. But I pray, Father, that somehow your church will be activated and that there will be great care and concern. We have a response that has happened. We pray for, for Jen, our missionary in Haiti, as she prepares to return. We thank you for the safety in her life, but we pray that you will help us to know how to help serve her and her team in Haiti. And Father, we pray for your church in Florida and along the, the coast. We just pray that as there are ways for us as a church and ways for us as Christians to be able to mobilize in order to show the love of Jesus Christ in very real, tangible ways, that you will make that abundantly clear. In all of these things, we pray that somehow your name will, will receive praise and glory and honor. And so that is our desire as we open your word this morning as well. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. It is interesting to me because it's in moments like these, in moments of crises, and we've had several of these over the last weeks and months, where out on social media, in, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, we often will see this. We'll see uh, thoughts and prayers with whatever. Thoughts and prayers with those who are in the way of Hurricane Matthew, right? Thoughts and prayers with those in Name the, name the Tragedy, and I wonder, I, I think that's, in one sense, I think that comes from a great place, provided that their thoughts and prayers are actually with those issues and with those difficulties. But I think it's also as easy 
easy to say, well, these, our thoughts and prayers are with, and then we can dismiss that. And that's not unusual for us who have been in church for a number of years, who've maybe grown up in church. We say, we can hear, uh, we're in conversation with others, and they, they're, they're sharing their life with them. We say, well, we'll pray for you. And sometimes we mean it. It comes from a good place. Other times it's just a way to get out of a conversation that's awkward, right? And, and, or we mean it because we're going to pray for them and then we forget to pray for them and then we feel badly because we didn't pray for them and then we, maybe it's too late to pray for them now. I, I don't know. I mean, thoughts and prayers. It's been something that I've seen under ridicule of these days. Thoughts and prayers aren't enough. Do something. And it can be, and prayer has often been an interesting thing in the church for people of faith. It's been something that is interesting. It's been something that I think has been abused. It is something that has been used for gossip and slander rather than actual prayer in a church. And yet, for the life of disciple, for someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who is all in, prayer is an indispensable part of a faith journey. Prayer is something that we can't live without. Actually, Martin Luther said this about prayer. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian and not pray is as if you're trying to be alive but you don't breathe. Or another author, Derek Prime, says this. Prayer is the breath of faith. Prayer is what we do. It's mysterious, it's, it's weird, it's hard, it's amazing, it's deep, it's rich, it's confusing, it's all of those things. And yet to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we must be people of prayer. It's a part of the very breath of our faith. And so we turn our attention today to prayer and to a prayer life of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus. There's much to be said about prayer. There have been books to be written about prayer, many books about prayer for you to read. I'd love to commend a number of them to you. And yet, we have some things before us. The first thing that I would like to draw our attention to as we think about prayer is the privilege of prayer. The privilege of prayer. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, uh, the writer writes this in Hebrews, chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this is what the Hebrew writer says, and this is important for us because I think it outlines in this passage for us the privilege that we enjoy in prayer as Christians, as disciples. Because the first thing that he gives us is permission to pray. Permission. He says, therefore... Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus is our great high priest. 
He is interceding on our behalf before the Father. And it is because of his work that you and I have permission into the presence of God. We as those who are sinful, we are those, are those who have not obeyed like we ought to obey. We have not done, we've done things that we shouldn't have done. We've not done things we should have done. The Bible calls that sin. God cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, you cannot be in the presence of God as one who is sinful. How can you pray? You can't. The doors are closed. He is shut off because of sin. If it were not for the priest, if you read in the Old Testament and all throughout the book of Hebrews as well, the priest the priests were responsible. If the presence of God was in the temple, it was the role of the priest to intercede on behalf of the people before God. It was to make intercession before a, a holy God and a sinful people. And so uh, among the priests, there was the great high priest, and he would enter into once a year on the day of atonement, he would enter into the holiest of holies, the place of the presence of God. And he, before going into that place, would make a sacrifice for his own sin, knowing himself not to be perfect. And then he would go in and he would offer a blood sacrifice of atonement for the sins of all of the people. This was the role of the high priests, and this is what the high priest did once a day, or once a year. And only the high priest could enter. And when he had done this, these, there were daily sacrifices and yearly sacrifices. The sins of the people were temporarily atoned for and covered for until the Messiah was to come. And he then would offer a sacrifice for all of sin. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the one who came and he lived the perfect life, not needing to offer a sacrifice for his own sins, but coming in order that he might lay down his life as an atoning sacrifice for all of sin, of all of humanity. It was laid on Christ because of his shed blood in order that then he rose again, conquering sin and death and hell so that you and I might have have permission. Permission into the very presence of Almighty God. I suggest to you that prayer is a privilege because you have been given permission by the very blood of Jesus Christ that you can come into the presence of Almighty God. It is a privilege that we enjoy as Christians. If you have put your faith in trust, then God is no longer barred from you. But the doors of heaven are flung wide open because of Christ's sacrifice on your behalf. And you get to enter into the very presence of God. You have been given permission. You, to go to God, have been given permission. We have permission. Secondly, I think this passage in Hebrews gives us a particular posture with which we come to the presence of God. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. How is it that we ought to come into the presence of God? The posture of a child of God toward coming to his heavenly father or her heavenly father is one of confidence. That you and I get to come before almighty God with great confidence. There's no need to come in a shy way or a sheepish way as we present our requests and our concerns and cares before the Lord. No, we are to come with great confidence as we come to him. Why? Because you are his child. Because you've been bought by a price. 
because you've been adopted into his family, because you're a very child of God. And so we come into the presence of God humbly because we couldn't get there on our own. Humbly because we're, we're going before God Almighty. And yet we come with great confidence because we've been given permission. Because we come to his throne room of grace. And so we come. And so we come with great confidence. I found it very helpful, at least for me, and when I think about this, I, I think about one of the, the, the most prestigious office of our country and that of the president of the United States and going into the Oval Office and what it must be like to be able to say you've been called by the president to go into the Oval Office and how, what that must feel like. For me, I, that's never happened, just in case you were curious. The President Obama has not been said, Mr. Platic, would you please come pay me a visit? And if he did, I, f I would be afraid I'm going to go to jail or something. I don't know. I haven't done anything, I don't think, but you never know. He's got secret service. But what it must be like for President Obama's daughters to go into the Oval Office. Very different, wouldn't you imagine? Because they're his children. That these girls can walk, they're the only people on the face of the earth who can walk into the most powerful office in all of the world and be able to walk in with a confidence that you and I don't have because they can walk in and say, hi, dad. Because it's their dad. He, they can walk into his presence and into that office and they can walk in with a confidence that no one else enjoys because they are his children, because they are his daughters. You and I, because we've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, have a confidence that no one else enjoys because we are the children of God. And so you can walk into his presence. You can go before his throne with great confidence because you're his child. There's no sheepishness. There's no silliness. It's we're coming before God who longs to be with you. So we have permission and the posture of confidence, of humble confidence going into the presence of God. And thirdly, we are going into indeed his presence. Let us approach the throne room of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need that we go into his presence, and when we go into the presence, prayer is primarily about relationship. Prayer is about being in the very presence of God. And when we're in the presence of God, we go into his presence with confidence and there find mercy and grace for our lives. We go into his presence and there find mercy and grace. How often do you think about the fact that God delights to be with you? Do you think about that? That in prayer, it's about relationship and God wants to be with you. He delights in you. He delights to be with you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to talk to you about what's going on. As, as my children age, as they get older, I recognized more and more the privilege of just being with them and just listening to them talk. Just, just to be around them. Just to learn about what's going on. God, the God of the universe, longs that you would be with him. Even just yesterday morning as I was in my study at home and as I was working on, on, on my sermon and doing different things, then in, in walks my daughter and it, it seems to be her pattern. She in, in she comes and she comes right around my desk and she just crawls right up onto my lap. 
And then she just starts talking. She cares nothing about what I'm doing. She doesn't care that I got a sermon to preach the next day. She cares about me. She cares about being with me. And I care about being, and she just talks. Talks about silliness, but it's beautiful because it's hers. And it's about what's going on with her. Do you understand prayer is crawling into the lap of Almighty God and just talking? That you get to talk to him. And he cares intimately because you're his child. This is prayer. And it is, I suggest to you that we enjoy a great privilege because we have been per given permission to go into the very presence of Almighty God. Because there is, it is about relationship and it is about presence and we come with confidence into his presence. Prayer for the Christian is indeed a great privilege, but prayer is also important in the Christian life because it is, because coming along with, because there is power in prayer, because there is power in it. James chapter five, verse 16 says this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person, the prayer of a person who is a Christian, the prayer of someone whose sins have been forgiven because they are forgiven in Christ because of what he has done, are powerful and effective. Now, I think we get ourselves, we can get ourselves in trouble when I hear us say things like, I pray because prayer works, <laughs> right? Well, prayer works, and so we pray because it works. Well, I, I, I understand, I think. Here's, here's the challenge I think we have with that. As I get, and this is why I get a little nervous because I think most people who say prayer works actually mean that I prayed and God did what I wanted him to. It works. I prayed. I prayed for the job. I got the job. As if somehow prayer is a button that we are able to push to release exactly what we want to from the vending machine we call God. Right? But prayer is not a button that we, to be pushed, but it is a relationship to be pursued. We're pursuing an interactive and dynamic relationship with an almighty God who loves us and who allows us into his, into his presence. Now, does prayer not work? Well, prayer does work. But I think prayer still works when we can't trace out the direct results of our prayer. I think prayer still works when the opposite of what we prayed for actually happens. That prayer still works in the moments that we feel very distant from this God whose presence that we're invited into. Prayer still works when we're banging down the doors of heaven, as it were, and we're not sure that anybody's home. It feels that way, at least. We know it intellectually, and yet it feels that way. We've been praying and praying and praying, and God, are you not listening? Prayer still works. But what we can know is this, that prayer, the prayers of Christians, the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I have to admit that I, there's a mystery in prayer that I don't understand that there's something mysterious about this conversation with God, that there's a lot of questions that I have with regards to these things, and it's not that books haven't been written on them, and, that, and yet there is something deeply spiritual and soulful. If, 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 uh, it is above the soul, about the soul that happens when we pray. But look, because when I come to pray, I don't always know what to pray. 
I know I should pray. And I know I should be in the presence of God. And I, but I don't always know what to pray. Sometimes I think I know what to pray, but I'm not sure. Sometimes I'm very sure of what I think I ought to pray for, but it doesn't happen. But God, by his spirit, is the, intercedes on our behalf and prays in our place. And prays on our behalf. So we are to come and recognize that God, that we are to pour out our spirit, our, our, our soul to God, that we pour out to him and we give him all of our needs and all of our desires and all of our requests, happy to leave them there. And when God does what we ask, and when we receive, as it were, the blessing of the answered prayer that we were hoping for, then we celebrate with great gladness and thankfulness before the Lord. And when God gives us a different answer than what we hoped, then we trust in his sovereign, divine, perfect will in our lives. And this is as we navigate and talk to our heavenly Father. Because God will give us what we would have prayed for if we knew all things because he knows all things. And as we pray to him and we pray for his will to be done, we're praying that God will do what we would have prayed for if we knew everything that God knows, but we don't know. And so we're coming in prayer before him, dependent upon him, knowing that the prayers, somehow our prayers are powerful and effective, even though we feel helpless. We're not. That you have that Prayer for the Christian is the most powerful thing you could possibly do. It doesn't feel that way, but it's true. It was a couple weeks ago now, I think, maybe a week and a half, I received a, a message on Facebook from someone uh, who, who works at my kid's school. I don't know her well. I've spoken to her maybe twice. And it's, it's just been hello and have a nice day and things of that nature. But I get a Facebook message from her and she, her, her father has been diagnosed with cancer, stage three cancer, for the second time. And she, she just is saying, she's apologizing in her rambling note because she says, I don't know what to pray. Now, I don't know where she is with regards to spiritual things. I don't know what her opinion of God is. I don't know. I don't know her well. But she's saying, I, 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 just, I just need you to help me because I don't know what to do and I feel helpless. Can I share with you my response that I wrote to her? It's great to hear from you. I'm so sorry to hear about your father. I'm so thankful that you wrote. It is very emotional and stressful to, prof to process the sickness of a loved one. I'm always willing to help any way that I can. I'm encouraged by your questions. I'm encouraged because you are thinking about how best to pray. That is a wonderful place to be. I know that you feel helpless to affect change right now. That is completely understandable. However, prayer is the most powerful thing you can possibly do because you get to have a conversation with the God of the universe. Your, des your desire to pray is right. Your prayers are powerful. You are not helpless. How should you pray? You should pray your honest, tearful, heartfelt desires to, to God. Be open, honest, and raw. God can handle your feelings and your emotions. You should pray for God's will to be done. 
God knows what is best. God will do what is best. We don't always know what is best. We know what we see. We know what we feel. We know our desires. We often think we know what is best, but God actually does know what is best. Pray for his will to be done. But most importantly, pray. We're never helpless as Christians. We have the, the most powerful thing we can possibly do, which is petition an almighty God who can affect change in all of the world. We're never helpless, but we have a tool in prayer that is powerful and effective. Prayer for the disciple of Jesus, prayer for the follower of Jesus is a great privilege, and it is, it is accompanied by great power. And thirdly, I want to address the practice of prayer. Finally, to our text in Matthew chapter 6 that is before us. Before us. Verse 9, let me just read from verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Just pause there. Jesus' disciples, his followers, came to him and said, they've watched Jesus pray, they had heard Jesus pray, and at some point they came to Jesus and said, teach us how it is that we ought to pray. How, how should we be praying? What should we be doing? Jesus then gives them what has become the most famous prayer in Christianity, I believe, the Lord's Prayer. It was given to help the disciples know how to petition God, how to pray. Notice, notice that at the very root of this Lord's Prayer and prayer in general is dependence. The very root of prayer is dependence. The Lord's Prayer is broken down into basically two, uh, two sections of three petitions. The Lord's Prayer is essentially made up of six petitions. The first three express the passion for the glory of God and the other three express the dependence upon the grace of God. So first is the passion for the glory of God. Look at he says, he, first thing, he's, the passion for the glory of God in prayer is this, that our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It is his name. That we begin prayer recognizing to whom we are coming. In the hallowed name of, of God, that we are coming to his holy name. We're coming into his presence, the one who is worthy of glory and honor. And he says, your kingdom come. We're praying that his glory would so infect our lives that his rule and reign would be in, in our lives as a follower of him. We're coming to him and saying, would you bring your kingdom in my life? Would you bring your rule and reign? Would it affect the way in which I think and the way, way in which I live? It is your name, it is your kingdom, it is your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That you would affect the way in which I live. That your glory would, I would be so passionate about your glory that, it, that you would bring that into reality of my daily life and of the world in which we live, that your kingdom would come and that would affect real change. Your glory would come, as it were, to affect real change. There is a passion in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer for the glory of God, and then there is a dependence 
upon his grace. First, for provision. Give us today our daily bread. That, it, that we are recognizing all of the provision of our lives comes from God. We, we do this, I, I, I seek to do this even in my prayers for, for over, over a meal with my children to be able to say, Father, we thank you we thank you that you've provided this food and that, 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 that mom has prepared for us. It, it, my wife went to the store. She bought it. She cooked it. It's fabulous. But she didn't provide it. She prepared it. God provided. God provides all things. All things for our lives that ultimately come from God. And it is we who are followers of God, who are believers, who recognize that all things come from him. And so therefore, we are dependent upon him in all things. We're dependent upon him. And we pray that, recognizing that. There is provision, <clears throat> dependence upon his grace for forgiveness. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That the only reason that we can be able to pray the prayer, to pray this prayer, is because of the forgiveness that we have received from Christ himself. Because of his work that we are able to go and to receive this. We are dependent upon it. Otherwise, you could never, ever, ever go into the presence of God. You know that. We've talked about that. The provision, his provision. We are dependent upon God's grace for provision, for forgiveness, and thirdly, for protection. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm tempted to want to protect my children. To, and, and there's a right sense of protection, right? I mean, but I want to protect them from, <clears throat> you know, whatever, disease, so we immunize. We want to protect them from the, the, the bad things out there on the internet, so you, so you limit screen time and you put rules and regulations around. You want to protect them from the bad things that happen to school, so you carefully consider the schooling. You want to protect them from all the bad drivers out on the road, so you want to protect them when they go out, start their, their driver's license, and so you go with all the rules and the stuff so that we want to, and yet, Ultimately, as they grow, you know you can't protect them. The protection for your children is ultimately comes from the Lord. Our protection on all of our lives ultimately comes from him. And so we pray in dependence upon him that, God, you would protect us as we go through this journey, as we live out lives seeking to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Will you protect us from the evil one that is real and that is active? Will you protect us from the temptation that is so well, tempting. Would you protect us? The Bible scholar John Stott says that the Lord's Prayer is a summary of discipleship. Dependence is the fundamental attitude whenever we pray, that we are dependent upon God. And this is hard for us because America is built on radical individualism. We're born, de we're born dependent. And for most of us, we will end up dependent upon others. It's the cycle of our journey of life. We say, no, no, we, we, I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be a burden. I don't. You were made to be a burden. You were made for dependence, ultimately upon God and upon others. 
And that is spiritual maturity when you recognize your dependence upon God. That is growth, friends, in the faith journey when we admit our dependence and when we're willing to admit our help and get over our silly pride thinking that somehow if it's to be, it's up to me. No, it isn't. You need help. You don't know all things. You can't be all things. You're not, your strength is waning. God says the best place for you to be as my child is in a place of dependence. And I've given you other people to help you on your journey. In a very practical way, as we think about <clears throat> prayer, I, there's the acronym that most of you know, and I think it's just really helpful. But some of you, let me just give this to you just as a tool as you think about, well, maybe I should petition God. There's this acronym of, first, there's the, so it's ACTS, right? So there's adoration. And I think this helps sum up the Lord's Prayer, that we begin, we adore him. We come hallowed before his name. And then when we come before him and when we realize who he is, and I'm not a great adorer, I need help. And that's why I often will go to the Psalms or go to the Bible to remind me of the greatness of Almighty God so I can adore him for who he is. That's why we come to worship, to be reminded of the greatness of God. But when we're reminded of the greatness, then it often reminds us of how great we're not and then leads us to confession. It ought lead us to a place where we confess our sins before God. We come boldly before him to confess our sins, expecting that we will receive grace and mercy and his presence. And then when we're confessing our sins, it leads us to thanksgiving for the forgiveness of our sins that God has given us. Forgive us our sins. And so we come thankfully for God's provision in our life, for God's protection in our life, for God's forgiveness that he gives to us. We have always a reason to be thankful because of God's goodness and kindness and grace and mercy in our lives. And then we come to supplication, which is to present our requests before God. We so often start with supplication, we get it all wrong. I do. Because we're so thinking about all the things we need to pray about, all, all the issues, all the challenges, all the emotions. Well, I just have to ask God to do all this stuff. Wrong. Uh, yes, you do. But not yet. We need to remember who he is and who we are in light of that and all that he has done for us. And then we come and present our requests before him. So often in church, and I've been in church a long time, our prayer lists are good and important, but I'm afraid. <clears throat> and it's good for us to be able to pray for healing. It's good for us to be able to pray for, uh, for physical needs. Paul prayed that the thorn of his flesh would be removed three times. I wonder if he prayed for that again. I think he just realized, I, I don't know. He may have stopped. I, I don't know. We're not told. But when I look at Paul's prayer for the churches, it's not about a broken ankle. That's important. That's just good. But it's, it's for something far more significant. And I wonder if when we bring our prayers for one another and for the church and for our friends and for our children in faith, if they shouldn't be tweaked a little bit more than just that they get a job or that they are able to be safe. Listen, it just, let me just give you an example. Out of the book of Ephesians, Paul is praying for the church. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. This is what he's asking. He says, <clears throat> I keep asking that God, the, 
the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, the, in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. You see that prayer that he's praying for the people? It's not like, hey, she's having a hard day at work. Like, no, what is he praying? That they would meet God, that they would experience God, that they would grow in God. He's like, the, that, he says, that the, the power the same power and mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above the rule and authority and power and dominion of every name that is evoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. See, he's praying that you have, the, what we sang, you have the very spirit of Christ at work within you, and he's praying that they would recognize this as they go to work and as they live out their lives, the way they pre-praise. And we bring our supplications and our prayers. There's nothing too small, true. There's nothing too large, true. But as we pray, let's pray also about spiritual well-being of, of our friends and of our children and of our families and of our church. Pray for these things. Well, our time has slipped away. Let me just leave you with this. One of the books on prayer is Richard Foster. And he has a book on prayer and he gives you an invitation to pray. And I, let, me, let me leave you with his invitation to pray. He reads, he says this. God has graciously allowed me to catch a glimpse of, into his heart and I want to share with you what I have seen. Today, the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. And he is inviting you and me to come home, to come home to where we belong, to come home to that for which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. For too long we have been in a far country, a country of noise and hurry and crowds, a country of climb and push and shove, a country of frustration and fear and intimidation, and he welcomes us home, home to serenity and to peace and to joy, home to friendship and to fellowship and openness, home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. We do not need to be shy. He invites us into the living room of his heart, where we can put on old slippers and share freely. Come home, would you? His heart is open. Spend time with your father. He's wooing, he's longing, he's waiting for you to crawl up into his lap and to come home. Let me pray. Father, for your grace and mercy, we give you thanks that you would make us a people who longs to see your face in prayer the difficulty of it as we ask that you will help us to see things that are unseen, that you will help us to believe the truths of your scriptures, that you intercede on our behalf when we don't know how to pray. 
And yet, Father, in this mysterious, glorious, wonderful thing called prayer, where we get to have an inter- interaction with, a divine, with the divine, that we get to come and reach into the heavenly realms, as it were, and to be able to come into your presence, we pray that you will help us to be a people that long to pray, that desire to pray, because we desire you. We come and ask this for the glory of your name. In your son's name we pray. Amen.